Yahoo announced a security breach affecting upwards of 1 billion user accounts. Cyber attack leaves 145 million eBay users at risk. Target announced up to 110 million customers may have had their identity and financial information compromised. Cyber security breach at Equifax could affect 143 million American consumers. And now your host, Nexus IT Group. Welcome back to Hacked into the Minds of Cybersecurity Leaders, brought to you by Nexus IT Security Group. This is your host, Ben Hotailing. Today we've got Todd Thomas on the line. Todd has been in the healthcare industry for many years and is currently the Chief Information Officer at Austin Radiological Association. Welcome on, Todd. Thanks for having me, Ben. Today, we're going to chat about healthcare security, artificial intelligence, and how security solutions impact caregivers. Let's get things started off by learning a little bit more about your background, Todd. Tell us how your story, how you got into IT, how you made your way to uh, that CIO level. So it was actually a one-way plane ticket that my parents gave me to move from Cleveland, Ohio, out to California to live with a a high school buddy of mine. And I initially had applied to a radiology billing service organization to do their data processing at night. Uh, and at the time they thought I was overqualified. I said, no, I'm really not overqualified. I didn't graduate from college. Be that as it may, that initial call with them didn't lead to anything. So I did some temp assignments through some temporary placement agencies completely unrelated to IT. And then roughly 90 days later, the same company called me back up and said, hey, are you still interested in that nighttime position? I said, absolutely. And that's sort of what got me started. So for five years, uh, I was at this billing service. I started overnight just doing data processing jobs, then got into some software development work for that same organization. There was a couple of acquisitions involved. I took a promotion to data processing manager and then went on to becoming a full-time programmer analyst for the organization. And the system I was developing against was the same radiology billing system that ARA had been using at the time. And ARA had just merged with another radiology group here in Austin called Radiology Consultants. And it was recommended to them that they go out and hire an IT director to start managing their IT infrastructure. So the CEO at the time, uh, who's still my CEO today, called a mutual acquaintance at this uh, radiology billing software company. And this guy said, you need to talk to this kid out in California because he's way too smart for what he's doing out there. So ARA flew me out in early 1996 and then subsequently offered me the job, and I'm still there 21 years later. At the time, there was just me and one other guy in IT. So from 1996 to today, we are now at 50 IT people in the department. So did you intentionally target the healthcare industry to begin your career in, or is it just circumstance that, uh, that brought you there? It was a complete circumstance. Yeah, I just wanted to get into IT. I didn't even really want to go to a four-year university. You know, I graduated high school in 86, and so I had spent many a long night writing little apps on an Apple IIe computer. So being the 
high schooler that I was that obviously knew everything there was to know in life. Uh, I just wanted to go to a two-year technical college and get immediately into the IT industry. My parents had other ideas, and so uh, they sent me to that uh, four-year university. Sure, sure. Okay. 20 plus years at, at this point, you're in the industry. What have you found to be the biggest difference leading an IT team within the healthcare industry compared to other industries, uh, you know, such as finance, manufacturing, or, or government sector? Hard to say since I've only been in healthcare. We do take, or at least I take, a lot of ideas from other industries to apply to our own organization in terms of uh, how we manage IT. But specific to healthcare, you know, there are different regulations that we have to comply with. And there's a patient care aspect to it as well. Solutions that you deploy really need to be invisible to the doctor patient relationship or the entire care process that the patient goes through. So you do have to understand when you're deploying any type of technology solution that if it slows down the process, that is an impact that most healthcare givers will not tolerate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So speaking about those compliance regulations and such, how does that impact your strategy, knowing that it's very critical to uh, you know, abide by those guidelines? It at least starts the conversation with the business in terms of securing dollars to invest in those things that will help us achieve compliance against those regulations. I think early on it was it was seen as one of those necessary evils uh, that we had to do as we expanded the practice and took on additional clients to host their systems in our data center. It became much more important to us because uh, not only did we have a growing patient population that we had to protect, but now we had other healthcare givers systems in our data center that we had to protect as well. Sure. And when it comes to selecting and implementing new tools and products, how do those regulations impact that decision-making? You know, some of the regs are very specific in terms of what they require you to do. So early on, we had identified some key technology solutions that we wanted to deploy just to get us in compliance with the regulations. Now that we feel like we've got a good handle on compliance, our Security investments are now driven by improvements to existing processes or trying to, you know, we'll keep an eye on the, uh, on the threat landscape and target our investments to addressing uh, those threats that we see as a high likelihood of impacting us, perhaps versus something else. Phishing and ransomware, for example, are probably the two biggest threats targeting healthcare. Uh, So our recent investments have been towards mitigating those threats versus maybe some of the others that we aren't seeing in healthcare. Sure, sure. So speaking of that threat landscape, um, it definitely sounds like that ransomware piece and phishing being a a huge hurdle that you're having to to make solutions for. So how do you gather your threat intelligence? What are some techniques that you use to, to do that? And how do you turn that into action, I guess? You know, I rely on my security administrator for a lot of that stuff. You know, we belong to a number of healthcare-specific organizations, so it's learning from other healthcare groups and what they are seeing in their environments. We do a lot of reading, obviously, 
We look at what's happening in other industries, and we work with our vendor partners about uh, what they're seeing to help us make some of these decisions. Absolutely. So what's that relationship like between you and your, your security administrator, knowing that you have overarching responsibility of the, the security program yet pass on? It sounds like a lot of that responsibility to that, that admin. Yeah, I do rely on him quite a bit because, I, you know, I think in most organizations, there is a separate group outside of IT that is responsible for security. Our organization isn't all that big. And so it's sort of like the fox guarding the hen house, if you will. So I tried to not make any decisions pertaining to what the security wants to do. I try and help facilitate the conversation at the executive level between what the security admin wants to do and how the business feels about that, if you will. Sure. Sure. Do you think that there's going to be a time if ARA continues to, to grow at the rate that it's been growing, that dedicated CISO is going to be required? Gosh, I don't know. You know, when I, when I look at large healthcare organizations like Ascension and HCA, you know, those are pretty big health, national healthcare organizations that most likely, I don't know for sure, have, have a CISO. I don't know if ARA will ever get that big unless there was some sort of mega merger between outpatient radiology practices that by its nature had us go nationally. But for the foreseeable future, I really don't see a position like that being created within the organization. Sure. And it's, okay. it's rare, too. Across radiology practices our size, it's rare, if it even exists at all, to find a, a dedicated CISO. When HIPAA, which is the, the healthcare regs that organizations like ours fall under, uh, when that was announced in 96, you know, you had to sort of identify a person that was going to be the security admin. And so what a lot of groups did at that time is they just sort of anointed their CIO as the guy just to check that box off uh, underneath the regulations. And so I don't think it's changed since 96, if you will, unless a company like ours has grown to the point where you need somebody dedicated to that job function. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I guess that's where the question stems from, just with all the things going on. You having that person that dedicated to it that has all the responsibility and what does that look like and, and how can we make sure that responsibility is in the right hands. So just curious on that. Yeah, so when we last spoke, it sounded like your team was starting to leverage some pretty advanced technology, specifically around artificial intelligence. You naturally, at this point, artificial intelligence specific professionals are quite expensive to employ, train, or uh, you know, what have you. So what solutions have you found that have helped combat this problem and allowed your team to, to leverage artificial intelligence successfully? We've looked for especially in the security space, technology solutions that are leveraging either artificial intelligence, machine intelligence, machine learning, whatever you want to call it, to do their job, if you will. If you look at the amount of data just even a company our size generates, whether it's log data or NetFlow data or transactional data, you know, while we have a log management solution in place, that's still a lot of data to look at for an individual or two. And so we've looked for solutions that 
sort of overlay some intelligence to all that data so that we allow the software to help us focus on something that needs evaluated. And we look for software that helps us focus on the business rather than spending all of our time managing the software itself. So as an example, we had a, an antivirus solution in place for a number of years, and it was a very, it was the classic antivirus solution with signature updates and AV agents all over the network. And we spent a lot of time just sort of keeping that application up and going. Uh, well, assigning a, an FTE and a half a week just to keep an app running is not, in my opinion, a very efficient use of resources. So we replaced that system uh, with an AV solution that uses uh, machine intelligence and AI to identify malware threats, threats on the endpoint. And because it's run out of the cloud, uh, our guys spend very little time managing the application. We will evaluate what the application is telling us is happening in the environment, uh, which I think is a better use of the guy's time versus running and keeping the application stable. And so it's those types of solutions we're starting to look at. Uh, and I think there are a number of companies in the security software space that are starting to do a lot of that machine intelligence stuff so that a SOC analyst, for example, spends less time staring at log messages on a screen and more time mitigating threats that have been identified by these uh, different systems. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a better use of, of resources. Yeah, how do you ensure that security solutions that your team is building and, and providing to caregivers does not impede their, their workflow? The way our company is structured, but they have a lot of input into the types of solutions that we deploy, especially if it's going to be a technology that uh, faces the caregiver, like multi-factor authentication, for example. When we roll out those end-user-facing technologies, we really have to engage them, make them part of the evaluation process, make them part of the beta testing process, take in their feedback, make adjustments to uh, the project that we're rolling out. And so that's how we've taken the approach. Uh, there are some solutions like our anti-malware solution. They'll never see. It sort of operates in the background. We'll do a lot of testing internally to make sure there's no impact to the applications. So it's primarily those end-user facing technologies where uh, we bring a, a team together to make sure that whatever we're doing isn't impacting their workflow out of the clinics. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit more about the the profession and specific to the healthcare industry. So uh, in your opinion, does previous healthcare experience make any IT professional more qualified for a role with your team? I don't think it makes them more qualified. Uh, certainly there are differences working in healthcare just because you've got patients that you're dealing with. And then some of those patients may be emergency room patients where time is of the essence. And so you need to make sure you have an infrastructure in place that is up essentially 100% of the time because you don't want to be put into a position where a patient is in the ER waiting for an interpretation of a CT of the head, for example, and the radiologist doesn't have access to the image because the network is down or something went wrong with the software. If you sort of understand the, the caregiver's role and the mission of the organization, I think anybody can adapt to the healthcare space. We've brought in people from 
the semiconductor industry. We've promoted people from the outpatient imaging centers into IT so that if they want to get uh, started in a career in IT, it's very easy for us to sort of train them up. Now, naturally, having worked at an ARA facility and then moving into uh, ARA IT, you're already familiar with some of the language and the lingo and uh, how physicians' personalities are. So I think it's easier to get started that way. Uh, but ultimately, we found little difference between bringing uh, somebody in from outside healthcare versus bringing somebody in who's familiar with healthcare. Sure. What type of personality traits really excel healthcare uh, type environment? Patience <laughs> is probably <laughs> the number one. Physicians can get impatient when their uh, applications are not uh, humming along at, you know, 110%. And again, when time is of the essence, if there is a hiccup in that process, you can get an angry physician on the phone. So it requires a thick skin, a lot of patience, uh, and great communication skills to be able to talk with our end users understand the problem they're having and then quickly resolving that issue. Uh, and then hopefully down the road, taking what we learned from that encounter and implementing tools and processes or fixes so that that particular call doesn't happen again. Let's drop into overrated, underrated, and then we'll, we'll let you go. So, you know, a couple of these topics have actually stemmed from Grey's Anatomy last night. My girlfriend watches Grey's Anatomy <laughs> in last night's episode. Some kind of $20 million in, in Bitcoin these attacker was requesting. It was, it was funny. You know, all of the heart rate monitor systems went flat. Nothing was working. And it, it was utter chaos. So a couple of these questions are, are stemmed from that. First off, every IT role being some sort of security-focused role. Is that overrated or underrated? Ooh, um, I'm going to say overrated. I don't think that every IT role, I mean, I think they certainly need to be aware of the threat landscape. Uh, I think they need to be able to recognize, you know, what a phishing email looks like or how to handle a call from an end user that has a question about a specific email and or be vigilant enough so that when a call comes in, you don't immediately assume that the person at the other end asking to reset their password is an ARA physician. It could be somebody posing as an ARA physician as a means to break into the organization. So I don't think every IT person needs to be a SOC analyst or familiar with interpreting log event messages uh, that the security tools put into our system. But I think they need to have an understanding and awareness of the threat landscape so that they can intelligently handle calls that are coming into the department. Sure. That's a great way of putting it. I've been seeing so many articles being published saying that, you know, by 2025, every IT role is going to be a security role, et cetera. So I think that's a, a good way of, of putting it. Maybe not a dedicated security role, but having a deep understanding of the, the threat landscape, what could potentially happen can you know, make them successful in their, their role. Yeah. So that definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Blockchain's potential within the healthcare industry. Is that overhyped or, or underhyped? I think it's, I'm going to say it's overhyped just because it's not something that I've been following all that closely. You know, I'm familiar with it just because of the, the cryptocurrency landscape. 
but you know, for a, a, an organization our size, I haven't seen any chatter amongst the groups about blockchain technology. I think I've seen it mentioned in one small group meeting uh, that was had here in Austin of of some healthcare entities. But for my position, I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it seems like a potential good way of you know, sharing and uh, protecting patient data. So I'm curious how that's gonna gonna roll out. Well, last one, then we'll let you go. And I think I know the answer to it already, but we're gonna move with it. Ransomware attacks in healthcare, overrated or underrated? Underrated. It's, I mean, like I said at the uh, at the top of the conversation, you know, it seems between it and phishing, uh, you know, it is a very prevalent attack vector in the healthcare space. I see lots of stories from healthcare companies that have been hit by ransomware attacks. And we've seen it our, ourselves. Uh, the tools we have in place mitigated it. So we haven't seen the full impact of a ransomware attack, but we've seen it attack some of our business partners that connect into our networks. So it's, I mean, it's insidious. And I think healthcare organizations need to need to have something on their roadmaps to help combat that because it just seems to be happening all too frequently. Sure, sure. Yeah, when you're dealing with you know, human lives, the opportunity for you know, actually paying that comes down to a question of, you know, what's it, what's it worth sometimes? Uh, you know, what's yeah, a human life yeah. worth? So uh, that's such yep. an interesting, yep. uh, interesting element. Well, Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Awesome insight. Thank you, Ben, for having me. We want to thank everyone for listening to today's podcast brought to you by Nexus IT Group. If you're looking for a new career challenge, let's chat. If you're looking to hire new talent, reach out. Or if you just want to talk about cybersecurity, email us at info at nexusitgroup.com. Until next time, stay safe and stay secure.